Welcome to another episode of True Wisdom. We thank you for joining us today. And we are grateful to all of our consistent listeners. We see the numbers and we appreciate it. Uh, once again, this is not for us. This is just a constant conversation about gaining more wisdom as we read the Bible. So, uh, all glory to God and God alone. Amen. And Andrew, thank you for joining us. Greetings. So, why do we constantly seek true wisdom? Why do we do this podcast? Uh, we do this podcast because we recognize that, especially at this time in Earth's history, there are a lot of things that we should have understood from God's Word, as long as we've had it, that we don't, that we don't seem to recognize. And I think that our goal is that by God's grace, we will be able to help people to understand what is the right thing to do and what is the wrong thing to do. Because listen to this in Proverbs fifteen twenty one. It says, folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Mm. Okay? Folly is joy to him. So we don't want to be fools. We don't want to be people who are happy with foolishness. We want to be men and women of understanding that walk uprightly. Our verse, Proverbs 9, 9 through 10, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Amen, amen. So, can you go ahead and open us up with prayer and then we'll get right into our study for today. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of meeting together and discussing it like this. And we thank you, Lord, for wisdom, which we need to impart it unto us and help us to rightly divide the words of truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what do we have on tap for today? Okay, you're going to have some fun reading in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis? Oh, no, not the names. Uh -huh. I didn't even have to look at it. You know, I've seen many a great man just be put to shame <laughs> trying to read these names. Oh, my goodness. Amraphel, king of Shinar. Ariok, oh. king of Elisar. Ketolema, king of Elam. And Tidal, king of nations. Yeah, <laughs> I think you enjoy just trying to correct me when I say them wrong. So what verses are we reading? Well, we, we, need to, we need to get through all of them because the story is actually pretty um, intense. But I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll do you a favor. <laughs> there are four kings. There are four kings in verse... There are four kings in um, verse one, and there are five kings in verse two. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, you still got a lot of stuff to read, but you can decide. You can start at one or you can start at three. But there are four kings who come from the outside in verse one, and there are five kings, um, including the king of Sodom in verse two. And it's important that we get some of the other parts of the story because we're going to see some awesome stuff here about Abraham and the God of Abraham. Oh, yes. I'm going to start at first one because I enjoy a challenge. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Alasar, 
Shedor Lemar, Lomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, and they leave him last, of course, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, it's been around since then, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemaber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the valley of Siddim, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chedoralamar, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. Hmm. And in the fourteenth year came Chedoralamar and the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaims in Eshtaroth, Carnium, and the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emmons in Shiva Kiraathem, and the Horites in their Mount Seir unto El Paran, El Paran, which is in the wilderness. And they okay. Ret- okay. okay. So, <laughs> yeah, stop me now. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you some time um, to recover. Mm-hmm. The, so, um, Kedele Omar and this group of kings, this little confederacy, they, they, Ketaleomar's in charge of this area because at some point he had made war here and had defeated them. And so for 12 years they served him and they rebelled in year 13, didn't pay tributes and so forth. So that's the only kind of rebelling people care about, right? Yeah, you can make as much noise as you want if you send, send the tribute money. But when the tribute money stops, then in the 14th year, here he shows up with a group of kings. Now, what's really cool about this is verse 5 says something that as you go through Genesis will be so revealing. The Zuzim, the Enim, the um, Rephaim, the, the Nephilim, mm-hmm. the Horites, all of these are tribes of the giants. These are different giants. Mm. that are in the land, okay? So I want you to understand how awesome Ketaleomar is that he and three other kings show up and on the way to taking back this land, they take out all of these giants. I want you to also pay attention to verse 6, the Horites in their Mount Seir. What is Mount Seir associated with? Now, I, I remember, I, well, I should say I don't remember specifically. I know I've come across the name Mount Seir before. Mm-hmm. But Esau I... and the Edom. Ah, okay. That's where the Lord gives them the land, right? So the, what, the, what happens here is Kedileomar, attending to his own business, is somewhat an agent of the Lord in reducing the giant population in this place such that, um, because remember, this is where Abraham, you know, this is these are in the early days, right. Abraham has not yet had his children, right. um, such that Esau is going to be able to inherit Mount Seir, because that's who God left for the Edomites, because there's going to be less giants there on account of this work that Kedileomar has done. Takes mm-hmm. out all these giants, Okay. So this guy is no joke. Right, right. 
Okay, so verse 7, let's see who are other victims he has. Okay, and they returned and came to En Mispat, which is Kadesh, and smoke all the country of the Amalekites and also of the Amorites that dwell in Hazan Tamar. And there went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, the same as Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the valley of Siddim, the vale, excuse me, of Siddim. When Shedoralamar, the king of Elam, and with title king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elisar, four kings with five. And the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fell, fled, and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountains. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals, and went their way. Mm-hmm. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Okay. Um, so that's the important part of the story. Like, why are we discussing this? <laughs> because. Mm-hmm. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. Remember, when we last saw Lot, he had a lot of cattle on a hill that he and, and Abraham couldn't uh, occupy the same space. Now, all of a sudden, he's living in a city. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Let's now, see. 12. No, uh, I did 12, 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in... The Hebrew. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. When did he become first a Hebrew? Hebrew? The first Hebrew is Eber. Uh, he's of the line of Eber, and they're from across the river. They used to live on the other side right, of, of Ur. Uh, you know, when they lived in Ur, they lived on the other side of the Euphrates. And huh. so the name Hebrew, if you if you look up the name Hebrew right here, it says. Hebrew, descendant of Eber. It also means across mm. the river. Mm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. There's a lot in this chapter that ties you to chapters 8 through 10 of, um, of Genesis. Mm-hmm. 8 through 11. For he dwelt in the plain. Well, let me start from 13. And he, there came one that had escaped. And told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Anir, and these were confederate with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued unto Dan, mm-hmm. and his own little army. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Okay, pause a second. Because when we read this story most of the time, we don't pay attention to any of the things I was trying to emphasize at the beginning. The guys that came through, these four kings, who Kedaleomar was 
powerful enough that he held the whole land under tribute for 12 years. He's powerful enough that with his little confederacy of three other kings, they come and torch up some giants. Mm -hmm. Not just one group of giants, but five groups of giants. Mm -hmm. They take on, as part of that whole entourage, they take on five kings of the area who have failed to pay them tribute and defeat them and take all their stuff. Mm -hmm. And one man of God, the 318 servants born in his own house, who, who, are, who he has trained, right? he armed his trained servants. He's training them. He must be training them. They were born in his house. Mm -hmm. 319 people pursued them unto Dan, divided themselves against them by night, smote them. Right? And of course, the, Confeder the confederacy that he was part of is, is involved too. That's why verse 13 is there. Right? So there were some Amorites with him that were part of his crew. Right, right. But still. Yeah, that says a lot, that uh, he had 318 people born in his household, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden... Who are, tra who are trained, trained fighters. Yes. They're, they're, right, yes. Those are not all of the people born in his household. No, but he, they become tacticians at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Mm -hmm. And he defeated someone who had defeated giants and four kings. And five kings, rather. Hmm. So, and he brought all the goods back. Yes. So verse 17. Mm -hmm. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cheddar al and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shiva, which is on the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. That's. I like reading books. I like reading stories. And usually, there's great pains to set the stage, give all the information, the backdrop. In fact, we were recently studying um, Esther, and the first chapter of Esther gave you all the details: the length of the party, mm -hmm. why the party was there, who the party was for, what the party. Um, not just that the men had a party, the women had a party, the fact that there was mm -hmm. more than enough drink and there was no compulsion. There was actually a verse that said the, the drinking was not compulsory. None did compel. Yes. None did compel. So all of that detail is provided to set the stage for further chapters. And yet we have this verse dropped in here, which has so much meaning to it. And yet there is no good reference. There's no good backstory. Melchizedek, king of Salem. Who was Salem? Where was Salem? What was the purpose of Salem? And he was the priest of the Most High God. How did he become priest? This, is this the first time priest was even mentioned? We're in Genesis. Why did mm -hmm. the Lord need a priest? You know, they, we're not but a couple of generations from when the Lord walked with Adam, and now we have a priest. There's mm -hmm. so much in this one verse. Mm -hmm. So from verse yep. 19, and he, Melchizedek, blessed him, being Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, <laughs> possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithe of all. You see, there you go again. He, Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, tithe of all. The word tithe, does it appear mm -hmm. before here? 
Nope. Yeah. For the first time. Just without explanation, tithe. I mean. A lot of firsts. Yes. No explanation, no warning. And it it means so much because it is you, brought up again in the New mm-hmm. Testament, at least well, uh, verse 18. Right. It's, so what's interesting about that, you know, you ask yourself, why is there no preamble? One of the things that we tend to do is when we see a lot of um, attention given to a subject, we tend to think that it starts with them, right? So when, when the Lord comes down on Mount Sinai and hands Moses the Ten Commandments, you know, a lot of people are like, see, that's when the Ten Commandments were invented. It's like, no, 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 that's when they were delivered, mm-hmm. okay? But they weren't invented then. So here, just so that we don't run into any of that kind of silliness, Moses is like, let me talk about this thing like everyone already knows what we're discussing. Mm. And here it is. Like, the way this is mentioned without an introduction to tithing, just as the way that the sacrifice is mentioned in, in Genesis 4 without an introduction to the sacrificial system, lets you know that some discussion took place prior to the event I'm discussing Everybody's aware of it already. Mm. So, okay, so let's look at, um, let's go back to 21. So Melchizedek has his, his 15 minutes of fame. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth that I will not take from a thread, even a shoe latchet, I guess a shoelace, Mm -hmm. and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went after me, Anar, Eshkal, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. That is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, again, there's a backstory here that we're not given, right? There's something about the the king of Sodom. Now, remember, the king of Sodom went down there to fight. He seems to be the lead guy because his name is mentioned in front of all the other kings, just like um, Ketaleomar. Well, actually, Ketaleomar is not mentioned in front of the other guys until you get to verse, um, until you get to verse 12. Uh, sorry, verse 4 of this chapter, right? Uh, so far, basically, um, the four kings are mentioned in alphabetical order. Right. Right? The four kings are mentioned in alphabetical order. The five kings are mentioned in some different kind of order. Um, but nonetheless, he comes out, because remember, he ran, hid in the slime pit, went his way home, lost all his people and everything, because he was king of nothing for a little while here. Mm-hmm. And he comes out to Abraham and he's like, hey, I'll make a deal with you. Um, you keep this and um, you keep, uh, I just need the people back. You, you keep the good. Now, the interesting thing here is, is he really in a position to be making demands of Abraham? No, I mean, this is, this is usually the style of someone who's embarrassed but is trying to save face. Hey, hey, mm-hmm. hey, 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 why don't you do X and I'll just do a Y? When in essence, you have no grounds for anything. Correct. Right? Because by the, by the 
standard of that time, Abraham had won. He could have kept everything. Right. right. Now, that, that guy obviously needs something done because he's a king of a place, but a king with no people. Right. And he's trying to be magnanimous. Oh, oh, you can keep the spoil, you know. And Abraham was like, first of all, I already have the spoil. <laughs> right. Right? I already have, you lost the spoil and I got it back from someone else. But notwithstanding, I know that when we leave here, you're going to go and say, well, you know, I'm the one, Abraham is, he's, he's acting like he's big and bad, but I'm the one who let him get all of this wealth. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's like, no, that won't happen here. The people who are going, the, the young men that were fighting with me, they ate of the spoil in order to sustain themselves. And my, my colleagues, my Confederates, they get whatever is appropriate for them to get for the war. That's, you know, but for, for me, I don't need anything. I need nothing. Right. Which says a lot. It says a lot. When you went out there, you fought, you won, and you're going to take nothing. That is mm-hmm. such a contrast to current days where people are taking credit for what they haven't done rather than even taking credit for what they have done. But it's, it's, it's powerful. And Abraham has this military might and doesn't flex it all the time. Yeah, very true. All right? It's some serious might because he beat guys to beat giants. Yeah. And he trained the way he got the tactical and martial experience is still a question. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, Moses is moving fast in, in, this, in this book, and he's only going to slow down. In a, it's not, it's not going to be until a few chapters where he begins to slow down. Uh, but the lesson here, Melchizedek comes out, and he is bringing bread and wine, which is interesting because bread is the word of God, wine is doctrine, he's the priest of the Most High God, and he comes out and blesses Abram of the Most High God. Yeah. And Abram swore to God. He vowed that he wouldn't take anything. This vow thing keeps coming up, by the way. You notice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's He vowed that he wouldn't take anything. It's actually very, very impressive, um, the character of some of these characters, where, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean they don't make mistakes further on, but they're so... Um, there's, there's a single-mindedness, usually. Yeah. When they're focused, they yeah. have a single-mindedness and a purpose. And, yeah. you know, I, I pray that for myself at times, you know, during the bad times especially, um, for a single-mindedness. Yep. It is steadfastness, an eye single to the glory of God, as Jesus would say. Um, it's important for us to, to look at things from that perspective. But God, when... When God blesses you and you know you're blessed, you don't have to worry about how other people think about you, how other people feel about you. You don't even have to get bent out of shape by insult or people, um, you know, trying to trying to manipulate a situation to their advantage, whether it's to save face or for some other reason. But God will take care of you. Abraham did not suffer for wealth. No, he did not. No, he did not. And he was faithful. He he didn't complain about any tenth. He took a tenth. He he gave a tenth of things that he didn't even keep. 
Imagine that you you rake in, you know, a couple ten million dollars worth of stuff. You give your your tithe of one million dollars, and then you return the nine million. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put All actual right? numbers to it, it makes it a lot oh. more difficult. Yeah. Oh, but the Lord, the Lord repaid him. Yes. God is a really good accountant. Yes. Yes, he did. He has really good investments and with good resources. So we, we need to trust God and be willing to move in the direction that he is willing to lead because no matter how awesome we think our plans are, he's got it much better. Yes, indeed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Genesis 14. That's a good lesson. I'm going to need a really good title for this one. That is a good lesson. I still want to come back. I that's I have many so many questions about verse eighteen, but that's that's why God in, in, uh, increases our faith as well. All right, thank you, Andrew, um, and uh, I'll go ahead and pray to close. Okay. Um, we thank you, Lord, for the what you've told us and what you haven't told us, because it just means we need to dig a little deeper to find out the message that you have in store for us and. We pray that we not just see and hear and and observe these lessons, but actually apply them. So be with us as we go into another week, and we pray that these lessons will help us uh, on our daily walk, get to know you a little better, and get closer to having true wisdom. Amen. Amen. All right. We thank you. We continue to ask you to uh, look back at some of our previous uh, discussions, lesson topics. If you haven't, you can find them at truewisdom.buzzsprout.com. You could also tweet out to us any questions, comments. Uh, Is there something specific you'd like us to discuss? Um, You can reach us at at truewisdom underscore pod for Twitter or truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed.